It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. This News and Views Thursday is dedicated to Black America, to Black History Month. What we're going to be doing today is talking beyond what you're hearing in the news, what you're seeing portrayed on television. There is always more to the story. If we look at all the history and the deeper meaning behind it, what's really happening, well, maybe we'll get to what we always look for on My Michelle Lives podcast, The God Story. Black History Month. Every February, the United States and Canada recognize Black History Month, but its founder hoped for a different future for Black history. Carter G. Woodson, the Harvard-educated historian who established Black History Month, hoped Black history would become so ingrained in American history that Black History Month would be unnecessary. Every February, the United States and Canada recognize Black History Month. But in 1926, when he began Negro History Week, the second week in February, he had two objectives. To prove to white America that blacks have played important roles in the creation of America and deserve to be treated equally as citizens. And second, to increase the visibility of black life and history. At a time when the media was portraying the black community negatively with anti-black racist imagery. In 1976, Woodson's Association for the Study of American Life and History was such the annual theme for every Black History Month, lobbied for Black History Week to become a month, and got President Gerald Ford to make the first proclamation. We'll be talking more about Black History Month and its relevance today. Has it outused its outlived its usefulness? Uh, listen to this story from this year, where one school is was offering parents to opt out of Black History. Parents at Maria Montessori Academy in North Ogden were sent an email informing them that they would have the option to opt their child out of Black History Month lessons and events that were planned throughout the month of February. Now they're telling us the school is rescinding that offer. I'm not exactly sure why anyone thought that they had to send out a document saying, you know, I don't want my child to participate in this activity. That's what the document says. Jamie's daughter has been a student at Maria Montessori. Now, why would they want to opt out? Well, the narrative is they're racist. They don't want to hear about black history. Or is there another story? And should we be listening and starting dialogue that maybe some parents say, you know what, this should be all history, that it shouldn't just be black history, but should be American history and blacks should be included? Are there some that just have uh, turned a racist ear? I don't know. That's a possibility. But what I wanted to look into is the story that really is happening out there that we are not hearing about. So we're going to talk, uh, actually listen to the voices of black Americans today, just everyday black Americans on TikTok and how many, many are telling an alternative story. We'll take this conversation off the wall and we'll hear about how we can overcome the ails of history, kind of like these two men. There were these men who met over a black kettle. Well, they met over a prayer meeting and then found out that they had a crazy connection. Listen to this story. It was from, uh, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, I think, from CBS. The Lord spoke separately to Will Ford and Matt Lockett to go to the Lincoln Memorial the same day. There at a prayer meeting, they met right where Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. Sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. They became fast friends. Doing life together, praying together, you know, great friendship. I love this man like my own brother. Now they speak about racial healing, like in the seven-part retreat from CMAX.TV, Seven Days to Change. Always nearby is this kettle, which Will's enslaved ancestors prayed under, so their sometimes violent slave masters wouldn't hear those prayers and beat them. But several years ago, Matt and Will's relationship took a blow when they found out both their past and that kettle intertwined. They learned Matt's ancestors owned Will's ancestors. Whoa, what did that look like? Did you hear about the, that prayer kettle too? They would literally get under the prayer kettle, they put it over their head, uh, the equivalent of screaming into a pillow, so that slave owners wouldn't hear them praying, because in some 
circles, they weren't allowed to pray to the same God. Creepy? Oh my gosh, yes. But what happened once they realized that these two friends really, in their history, were at odds? That's part of this story, and it's part of American story, America's story. Not just Black History Month, but our history, and part of our future for healing. Listen to the rest of this story. My friend, his family is the family that owned our family. I've been listening to the story of the slaves who prayed under the kettle for years. Then all of a sudden I found out that I had a connection to that actual story and it was to that of the slave owner. That made it very personal for me. I had to go to a deeper level of forgiveness because now I had a face connected to these stories of slaves being beat and why we had to have secret prayer meetings. And it was hard because all of the pain of, of a history and the pain of a community that where that pain is endured, it had a face and it had a name and it was a face that I loved. Yeah, it was a little bit of a struggle uh, for, for several months and uh, I'm glad we hashed it out. They believe the nation can now hash it out. We can definitely rise above racism in America. Yeah. The whole nation is in a learning moment right now. Through this retreat, we're gonna hit on all these different touch points where people have been dehumanized, made less than, mm -hmm. and hit on this thing. Just like Will and Matt did in fellowship and at home. Healing, that's what it's about. Forgiveness, that's what it's about. Uh, not demonizing people and not resenting, regardless of what color your skin is. There is hope for America. Come on, it's 2021. Now that we look back at history, can we look to the future and say, "Have can we not overcome? Science might come to the rescue. What can science say about race? What if science could help erase racism once and for all? First of all, it is time that we start teaching our kids as soon as they can talk, and adults for that matter, that there is no biological basis for racial classification. In terms of biology, race doesn't exist. Now that's not to say race isn't real, though it's important to understand that race is a cultural construct, that humans created this and has nothing to do with our biology. There are no distinct genetic boundaries for the groups commonly called races. Traditionally, scientists have used race to refer to a subspecies, and what determines a subspecies from a species varies among taxa. But in humans, there are no distinct genetic boundaries for the groups commonly called races, and we only have 0.1% variation within our own species versus chimpanzees, which have from 0.3 to 0.7% variation. Thank you very much, science. And speaking of science, one scientist that we often talk to on our SciTech Talk, which airs on Tuesdays, is Jeff Zwierink from Reasons to Believe. Uh, he talked about racism and what God wants us to do. One of the things that I would say is that as we're looking at those, I think, yes, you are correct, that there's, we, we, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter and others say All Lives Matter, is that people, by being people, have an inherent value to them. And if we're not recognizing that, something's wrong. And I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of injustices that are done to Black people, and that needs to mm -hmm. be accounted for. But we, you, yeah. you mentioned that hatred seems to be universal as well. And so you ask, what worldview, what explanation best accounts for that well when you look at christianity we're all made in god's image that's why we all have value and we're all sinful fallen creatures that's why racism and bigotry exist and so if you this is a great way to test which world you actually explain what we see i mean if you talk about naturalism this is just people living the laws of physics and who cares whether it's right or wrong and if some people are bigots who cares you can't really do anything about that but in Christianity, you say, no, wait, that's wrong. We want to align ourselves with how God views each of us, and we want to do better. That's the worldview that actually allows you to grow and improve and do something about it. Ouch. So are you saying then that if you have no concept of God, that there is the argument that racism is just survival of the fittest so if uh now there's a black uprising and saying that we must overcome and oppress the whites who cares because you know it's survival of the fittest or uh when slavery was a plague on our earth and when black people are treated differently because of the color of their skin well it's survival of the fittest i mean it's a darwinian idea in fact Racism is a Darwinian idea, an idea that was born out of uh, an oppressive mindset that had to separate 
uh, people however they could to justify treating them inhumanely and abominably through slavery. So, yeah. And then when Darwin comes on the scene with this mindset of evolution and the like, look it up. Well, it just played into the narrative. And this is where we're saying no way that in this Black History Month, that perhaps it's time for us to overcome the atrocities of history. I'm looking forward to this conversation today. When we talk about Black History Month, would you like to take that conversation a little further, like off the wall? It's off the wall commentary. Let's take it off the wall. joins us as our off-the-wall commentator today where we're talking about Black History Month. I'm not sure what gives him the right to talk about Black History Month. He's pretty white. But if we're just talking about American history, well, then I guess it's okay. Isn't it all of our history, Mark? I'm glad to have you today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be here. And yeah, Black History is my history too because we're all Americans. Uh, I mean, we're all citizens of the world as well. And blacks have contributed uh, countless things that have made our lives better here in America. That have affected us all. Going all the way back to, you know, the beginning of creation. I mean, if you believe Mm -hmm. uh, some of the scientists out there that uh, life began in Africa, then I guess, you know, we're we're all African-Americans here. Ooh, wow, that's controversial right there, but that's okay. We're looking yeah. at a at a at a deeper meaning today, and we're looking at more than just what we're being spoon-fed. There is always more to to learn. In your blog, and we're going to put a link to the Political Bistro. Your recent blog, you quoted Carter G. Woodson. He's the father of Black History Month in America. He said that if a race has no history, it has no worthwhile tradition. So black history came because there was a time in the past in America where history, the only thing we talked about in America where blacks were concerned was about whites. The whites were oppressive slave owners. The whites were also the abolitionists that were their salvation, freeing the blacks. And so the idea of a Black History Month came into be to say, hey, there's more to the story. So my question to you, the idea of Black History Month did play a pretty good role in American history, didn't it? Yeah, I agree, because unfortunately for so much of our history, we didn't talk about the achievements of blacks. You're right. Uh, they were either relegated to just being slaves that were either oppressed or slaves that were rescued always by white people. And, you know, we didn't really teach much about world history in that context either. Uh, you know, it's, it's thought that one of the wise men was from Ethiopia and probably likely had dark skin. So again, like I said, and, and it wasn't mean to, meant to be controversial or even flippant, uh, you know, if we all descended from uh, someone in Africa uh, thousands and thousands of years ago, then yeah, we all are African-Americans. But really, you know, I'd like to uh, channel uh, Martin Luther King, who's uh, behind me on this uh, Zoom photo here. Uh, his uh, I Have a Dream speech was all about being judged by the content of uh, our characters and not by the color of our skin. So we are not white, we're not black, we're not anything else that, you know, just because someone has more melanin, less melanin in their, uh, in their skin, that is just such a small part of who they are. Using myself as history, and, and I don't claim any African-American heritage, but I'm descendant on, you know, one of my grandfathers is descended from the early settlers of New England, including uh, the first governor of Connecticut. In essence, you're kind of a, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. But in a minute, right. we're I, I get was, to I'm more a, to I, the story. It almost seems like now we're focusing less on the contributions of 
black Americans and focusing once again on white oppressors and black oppression and the white woke who are their salvation. So it's almost as if we've come full circle. So in other words, Black History Month came into being because we're saying, hey, there's more to the story. There's a lot of Black Americans who have done astounding things that affect all of us. And so we're going to tell that history because all we're hearing is the white oppressors and and the white people who are freeing them that's all, that's there's more to history than that doesn't right. it seem now though that we've gotten back to black history being pretty much all about white oppressors black oppression and the white woke who are their salvation yeah, I think so. And just to finish my last point. So on one side, I'm descendant from as white as white can be wasp early settler. On my other side, my grandfather spent his the early part of his life in a concentration camp in Turkey. And uh, many of his friends and uh, extended family never made it out alive. And that's, you know, that's two pieces of me. Uh, you know, I have a friend who, you know, you'd look at her and say typical black American, African-American. Uh, she was raised in Germany and she identifies mostly as German. I mean, she loves wearing a dirndl and doing Oktoberfest and all that stuff. Uh, she actually also happens to be uh, half Korean. Uh, so, you know, why is that? Why is she all of a sudden um, put into the, uh, the bucket of, oh, she, well, she's black. And so that must mean that she's something. Uh, another great example that I'll give is the rock and roll legend, Johnny Otis, who like myself is a Greek American, but he grew up in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. And back then you had to choose, were you black, were you white? You couldn't just be a person. And I guess to some extent that's still the case, right? Oh, are you black? Are you white? How about just, I'm an American, but he chose because he grew up in an African-American neighborhood and ended up uh, marrying uh, an African-American uh, he was a Greek, but of dark complexion, dark complexion. He decided to identify as African-American. You know, I don't know if that's cultural appropriation or if he would get canceled for doing that today, <laughs> but uh, so be it, right? Why do we have to choose? People are people. You know, we are, when I was titling my blog post, um, I ended up titling it Celebrate the Struggle, but I was almost going to uh, title it Celebrate Minorities because we're all minorities. We're all minorities of one. We're all individuals. And we should be celebrating not black history, but individual history. And, you know, I get it uh, for so, like I said at the beginning, so much of our history, we haven't celebrated blacks. And, and that is much to our, uh, our disadvantage, at, no matter who we are in America. But we need to get to the point, like I said, where it's all about the content of the character, not the color of the skin, as Martin Luther King said, so that we're celebrating people like Madam C.J. Walker, who was actually the first millionaire female business owner in America. Now, she happened to be black, but her being black is not the most important fact. And, you know, she's not alive today to ask, but uh, I've read enough about her that I think that if you asked her today, she wouldn't say, oh, I want to be identified as this black woman and I'm a successful black woman. I mean, she certainly cared about equal rights because she she grew up during that time when there was a lot of uh, racism. But I think she'd want to be celebrated as, hey, I, I started this uh, amazing uh, hair care company and went on to become a millionaire and take care of other people and raise other women who were struggling up out of poverty that's what she'd want to be identified as, not as, oh, well, she's black and she happened to be a businesswoman. No, she was a businesswoman who happened to be black. That's the most important thing. And that's what we need to focus on is what is the most important thing about all these people? And it's not skin color. No, um, and, and it's okay to say, hey, this is the first black woman to achieve this or that. You know, there are wonderful milestones. But aside from that, how about just celebrating American history and not trying to rewrite it along those lines? Nancy Green. Do you know who Nancy Green is? No, I don't. She was born in 1834 and she was a former slave. She was a nanny. She was a cook. And she was an activist. And for all of us, we knew her as Aunt Jemima. She became the the role model for Aunt Jemima. 
Aunt Jemima has now been taken off of uh, the syrup bottles because of, well, she has uh, kind of uh, a slave look, you know, with the hair tied up and such. But that's also part of who she was and part of the story of something that she was able to do extraordinary things and overcome. So as we move forward, you also mentioned in your in your blog, which we'll link to uh, some of Morgan Freeman's words. This is what Morgan Freeman had to say to Mike Wallace about Black History Month. Black History Month you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is life history month? No, well, no, no, no. well, come on. Tell me. Awkward. Well, uh, I'm Jewish. Okay. Which I'm month sorry. is Jewish history month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh. Oh. Why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no. No. I, I, I don't either. I don't want a black history month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? And stop so- talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. Well, there you go. And uh, Mark, Morgan Freeman went a step further in an interview with Don Lemon on CNN. In, and he says this is this may be the answer to our problem. Although there's not a lot of money in in what he has to say, uh, it's not going to be it's not going to propel political parties. It's not going to strengthen the Black Lives Matter movement. It's not going to increase people's presence in the streets. This is pretty controversial. This is what he had to say. The rich are because you called it bull when you said people can't you know themselves up. Do you think that race plays a part in wealth dis- distribution or either a mindset that you can't Today? or cannot? Yeah. No. You don't? No. I don't. I don't. Hey, you and I, we're proof. Why would race have anything to do with it? Stick your, put your mind to what you want to do and go for that. Uh, it's kind of like religion to me. It's a good excuse for not getting there. You know, I said, and it's probably get me in trouble, but I said to some of my colleagues recently, so I know that it's an issue, but I've been, it seems like every single day on television I'm talking about race and it's because of the news cycle, it's in the news, but sometimes I get so tired of talking about it, I want to just go, this is over, can we move on? And, And if you talk about it, it exists. Right. Yeah. Wow. If you talk about it, it exists. So... Where are we today and how do we move forward and what should we be talking about today, Mark? Well, I completely agree with Morgan Freeman. And of course, some people uh, seeing my face here will say I have no right to say that because I'm white. But, you know, I I think about my goddaughter who is African-American and for the first several years of her life and well into middle school, she didn't even really know she was black. I mean, she's fully black but it wasn't an issue. Her mom didn't raise her that way. That wasn't an issue. And it wasn't until in middle school when a guidance counselor uh, said something about, oh, well, you know, how does that make you feel as a black woman? And, you know, you shouldn't basically, shouldn't you be a victim and, you know, you're oppressed. Well, if you continue to tell people that they're oppressed, they're going to start to believe it. It's like kids, right? Little kids, you know, sometimes they break legs falling off of the roof because they think they can fly. Now, obviously you don't want them to jump off the roof, but the amazing thing about that is kids don't know that they can't fly. They think they're, they can do amazing things and they do other amazing things that aren't dangerous. You know, kids okay, have, and that's true, but, no that, but we cannot turn our, our face away from oppression that does happen. However, there's a lot of oppression that happens. There's oppression because uh, people are poor. It, we could break it into that category. Folks who are overweight get treated horribly. And if you want to talk about privilege, if you're good looking in America, you get treated treated totally different. I don't care what color of skin you have. So we can all, as you have said, Mark, we can all find a way to say that we're in the minority because sometimes we are. We can all find a way to say that we've been victimized because in some ways we may have been. In many ways, we can also be the oppressor. We can oppress others. Uh, We're going to hear in a few moments from real people on TikTok, real people who are of uh, 
minority status. All of everyone that I chose were black. And they're telling their stories and saying, hey, you know what? You know where I got a, the most oppression? Do you know where I, f- I feel the most racism? It's from blacks. So that's a wake up call, because if we all realize that oppression, victimization, uh, all of these things are not necessarily a black and white issue. It's more of a human condition issue. Then we'll get to the root of the problem. I'll give you the final word. Yeah, we're all trying to pull each other down. I think about uh, the the mother of my goddaughter was telling me about a cartoon she saw and there was a tree and on one side of the tree were two white people and they were helping each other climb up the tree. One was boosting the other one up. On the other side of the tree were two black people and one black guy was trying to climb the tree while the other black guy was trying to pull him down. So we can be victims or we can empower each other Uh, And the way to do that is, you know, certainly racism does exist. There's some stupid people out there, but I wouldn't say, and and again, because of the color of my skin, I'm going to get hate mail for this. Racism is not rampant in America. It is not, there is no systemic racism. And, you know, I have plenty of black figures that I can point to that share that view with me. So I'm comfortable in saying that. We need to stop talking about it. Just like Morgan Freeman said, we need to start building people up. And to the extent where it does exist, if you if you find out that someone is being discriminatory based on the color of their skin or you know, being hateful or whatever, call that out directly. And, and that absolutely does need to be called out. If we point to everything as being racism, then nothing is racism. You know, I'll, I'll end with the, uh, the, this uh there's a, a book called The Hate Crime Hoax, and it goes through all the, you know, you'll probably remember the Jesse Smollett thing from a few years back. We, are, we have so little racism in this country now that we have to invent racist things to perpetuate the narrative. And that's what it comes down to is it's all about division. There's people at the top that, uh, you know, call them race hucksters, whether they be uh, white or black, that gain power by dividing the rest of us. So we, as the people not in power at the top, need to unite as minorities of one and as, uh, you know, non-minorities. So we're all, we're all humans. We need to unite uh, in brotherhood. You know, we're all one race, the human race, which apparently now is a racist thing to say, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, well, it's a scientific thing to say. It's a scientific up. thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> we are. Uh, show me any kind of science that shows, uh, shows otherwise. You're welcome to find me at mymichellelive.com. My Michelle Live comes to you with thanks from one of our affiliates, in particular, Real Bearded Men. Check out their products. All for our bearded listeners. All my brothers with beards, raise up your beards. Let that thing grow wild from ear to ear. They say you're so cute, clean shaven. I'm so sorry, beard. This ain't no shave, November's no shaving. Brothers with Beards. We have a special deal with Real Bearded Men. Go to our website, get a coupon code, and use the link. You'll get the best deal on products for men with beards. You know, this being Black History Month, there's history being made today. What I just said a half second ago? Well, it's history now, right? So right now we are making history and there are voices that are part of black history that are not being heard. We're going to share them today in a kind of fun and unconventional way. What I did is over the last month, I've been compiling for this very show. I've been on TikTok listening to everyday voices of black Americans. You're going to hear some of the the thoughts, some of the concerns from black Americans in a way that you are not hearing other places. There's not that much difference between white and black, okay? The truth of the matter is, it's rich and poor. Uh, Like where I grew up in Arkansas, there was no black or white. We're all broke, okay? (laughs) What's your color? Poor, okay? (laughs) You know? That's the truth of the matter, you know? When you eat your cereal out of a Cool Whip bowl stained with chili or spaghetti sauce, (laughs) 
does it really matter if you're black or you're white? You're broke. Y'all, man, this for all the white people on this app, man. I don't know how to say this, but I'm gonna keep it for real with y'all. Like, this shit, I love y'all, man. Thank y'all for all the support, man. We need to stick together, man. Ever believe in white privilege, you basically are saying you're a loser. Yeah, you believe somebody is better than you. Oh, yeah, we're just getting started. So you heard that joke from U.S. Jacob Bray. A little shout out love to you all from Demetrius, and um, that thought that white privilege and admitting to white privilege is self-deprecating for a black person uh, saying yeah you think you're a loser that's from love is all times five but we're just getting started take this this is kind of interesting from creepy dollhouse some talking on a little poll See if you know the answers as he asks these questions. Which political party founded the KKK? <laughs> the Republican Party, of course. Probably Republicans. Wrong. Wrong? Democrat Party. For real? You know which party abolished slavery? Which party? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a Democrat Party. It was actually Republicans. Really? Abraham Lincoln was a Republican? Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Which political party gave African Americans the right to vote? Mm. Oh, the right to vote. It's the yeah. Democrats. Democrats? You can go with the Democrat. Republican. Republican. Yeah, well, well all right. Okay. Yeah. Is that right? It's the Republicans. Oh, I thought it really? Republicans. It's two in a row. Good job, man. Do you know which political party had the first black congressman? I feel like this is a trick question. Are all these answers Republican? Republican? Well, this one is Republican. Okay. I'm not shocked about the Democrats. Fair enough. The Republicans were founded as the anti-slavery party. See, with voices being shut out, and I'll tell you, of all of the videos that you're hearing today, a good one-eighth to one-fourth were taken down. Excuse me. They're not really saying anything different than what you're hearing. It's just an alternative voice that defends people. And TikTok uh, bends to the complaints and says, this is hate speech. This is wrong. No, it's free speech. These are some of the voices of black Americans that are being shut down. But you have a voice here on my Michelle Lives podcast on this News and Views Thursday. I'm not here to support Trump, Democrat, or to stand against them. I'm just here because I'm a proponent of free speech and these voices are not getting heard. Listen to that truth guy talk about this very thing that he's required to think and act a certain way because he's black. Does that sound racist? He thinks so. So by your logic, because of my skin color, I'm required to be a Democrat. Yeesh. Who's the real racist now? I can't think for myself because I'm black. Okay, racist. So by your logic, because of my skin color, I'm required to be a Democrat. Yeesh. Martin Luther King Jr. declared, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. People shouldn't be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Nowhere in his speech did he say, I have a dream that we can judge white people, but not colored people. He didn't call for the abolition of judgment. He called for righteous judgment. And the moment anybody throws shade at another person because of the color of their skin or the lack thereof, and it is viewed as morally permissible, such as the clip of the video introducing this, the nation regresses from this martyr's cause and goes back into the society he tried to abolish. Now, this cowboy has come under fire for, well, wearing a cowboy hat and having alternative views other than what has been dictated in this moment in history. He's making history, and he's speaking up for himself. It's official Joe Patrick. My name is Joe Patrick. Today, I got another message from another liberal who said, I like to be white. They said, you want to be white so bad, it's disgusting. I'd like to clarify a few things. First of all, I don't want to be white. I'm very happy with the skin color that God gave me. But second of all, 
Aren't white people the ones you say control all the aspects of society, have a great credit score, and have their dad? Please tell me how and when those are bad things. If being white means that I have privilege, why wouldn't I want privilege? See, you need to make up your mind. Either being white is a bad thing or being white is a good thing, but you can't have it both ways. I don't want to be white, but I would like to be perceived as intelligent. And if using Ebonics and, and you're talking like you ain't got no education, it is right here, this right here, black, and I don't want to be black. I would much rather be judged for the content of my character than the color of my skin. I've been called all the names. Oreo, whitewash, sellout, Uncle Tom. I haven't been called a pick me yet, but I'm sure it's coming. And when it does, I will welcome it with open arms. Because what I've learned is when people call you names like that, they're not attacking you. They're trying to find security in their own identity. Their identity is usually built on their skin color and skin color is just shifting sand. I wasn't raised to see my skin color as the center of my identity, so I don't even know how to operate that way. So when I got called those names, especially in middle school, I just suffered because I didn't know how to be anyone else but me. But this is what I know. When someone calls you those names, they're saying three things. They're saying a lot of things, but mainly these three things. Number one, you have said something that makes me question the perception I have of myself and I don't like it. Number two, you're making a very good point, but I don't want to be seen engaging in conversation because I'm afraid of what others might think. Number three, the freedom you walk in offends the bondage I live in and I won't have it. Bonus, your voice will encourage others to step outside the box and I don't want to be alone. Consider it a badge of honor. You be you and let them be bothered. Let's continue in this conversation. Oh, is that quotable? The freedom I walk in offends the bondage you live in. That is on the TikTok page of a girl called This Is Savvy. I follow her. I think she is awesome. Can you imagine going through that kind of oppression? And the thought that you must have one mindset. There is more to the story and there's more to black history and more to the black experience and black story we're sharing those from everyday people on tiktok we talk about why white privilege is a dangerous concept go ahead and preface this with the fact that i encourage you to go ahead and research all the things that i talk about in this video and come to your own conclusion that being said revolutions must choose an enemy Today we're going to talk about 1930s Russia and Stalin's choice. In Soviet Russia, there was a group of peasants called Kulaks, and these peasants owned farmland, livestock, etc., and were perceived to have more privilege than the other members of the society. Stalin took note of this and decided to use them as his enemy. Now, the Kulaks were regular people, many of which were nothing but serfs in the years prior to Stalin's rule. But Stalin demonized them and dehumanized them in order to add fuel to a revolution that would have died if it had not chosen a new enemy. He told his people to denounce the privileged kulaks and to take back what was theirs. And in turn, the kulaks were stripped of their land and livestock, deported, and killed. Does this sound familiar? Because after they've silenced the white privileged, they will find a new enemy. That was a TikTok post by half black conservative. This is Calvin Kennedy. Reasons why I do not support Black Lives Matter. Let's talk about how one of the founders of BLM called themselves a trained Marxist. I don't want anything to do with Marxism. I do not want to be subjected to government control at all. I don't trust the government. I also can't get past the fact that hundreds of millions of dollars were donated to BLM and none of it went to community development for black America. And then on top of that, several community organizers for BLM stole the money and put it in their personal pockets man who took over $200,000 in donations and bought himself personal goods, but didn't give any of that money to the community. But Black Lives Matter. I also can't get past the fact that when it comes to like black on black crime, they don't want to speak on it. When it comes to supporting black conservatives, they don't want to support black conservatives. And they don't want to have any conversations with black conservatives. They don't like the truth. BLM literally profits off of black victimhood. And I cannot, I cannot support it. I just, this post is from someone called Full Service. See, what you don't understand is people like me think ahead of the curve. Why do you think that is? Because we've seen what happened in the past. We listen to our forefathers. We know that the white liberal today is still the same person he was when Lyndon B. Johnson was in office. It never changed because we never changed. We are still dragging around that same mindset that they set us with with slavery, that we are oppressed and not able to think for ourselves. I'm sitting here trying to wake you up. You're still on the plantation and the only shackles holding you are the ones you place on yourself. 
Do you know why the Republicans don't pander to black people? Because they don't have to to win elections. But the liberals do. The Democrats do. That's why they promise you the world and give you nothing as soon as you put them in office. Look at BLM right now. Mad because they were promised a meeting and got nothing. Wake up. Now, you see, what you don't understand is people like me think ahead of the curve. Every single one of these posts uh, in celebration of Black History Month is by a black American. And some reposted some very important and pointed points that they felt were really motivational from other famous black Americans, like Martin Luther King, like Candace Owens, like Malcolm X. White liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football, and the white liberals control this ball through tricks or tokenism, false promises of integration and civil rights. In this game of deceiving and using the American Negro, the white liberals have complete cooperation of the Negro civil Mandela has inspired mosque shootings. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong. You, are, you would rather assign meaning to a homicidal maniac than to actually address that I said to, the things that I said today that are actually harming black America. Number one, father absence. Number two, the education system and the illiteracy rate. Illegal immigration ranks high, abortion ranks high. White supremacy and white nationalism, if I had to make a list again of 100 things, would not be on it. This hearing, in my opinion, is a farce. And it is ironic that you're sitting here and you're having three Caucasian people testify and tell you what their expertise are. Do I know what my expertise are? black in America. I've been black in America my whole life, all 30 years, and I can tell you that you guys have done the exact same thing every four years ahead of an election cycle, and it needs to stop. Out of one blood, God made all men well upon the face of the earth. Let us be dissatisfied until that day when nobody will shout white power, when nobody will shout black power, but everybody will talk about God's power and human power. of Martin Luther King Jr. Now that's black history right there. That's American history that we really should be living by to get past this idea that there is and should be racial division. Uh, There are areas where people are hated. There are ways that people can be oppressed, but it's not just by being black. There might be more to the story, and some of these voices are sharing just that. Uh, Reparations, the thought of uh, slavery still being an issue today, that was addressed, too, by many black Americans. So listen to some of these voices like this woman, Lisa Curry. Uh, you'll hear from her. She talks about her FUPA. You may just want to Google that. <laughs> it's a thing. I'm not even going to say it. And one of my favorite TikTokers, Mr. Full Service, uh, talking about heritage and then racism to realize how bad slavery actually was and how it still has an effect on black people. Shout out to my daddy, one of the original OGs. My mother got pregnant when she was 18 years old. My father worked hard, one, two, three jobs if need be. They Anyway, let's talk about this right here. Blaming slave breeding on the choices that young black men are making today in choosing to plant their seed in every garden they see is like me blaming my children for my fupa. I have a fupa because I chose not to eat right and I chose not to exercise 
after my children were born. My baby girl is 20. I can no longer blame my children because I'm fat. It's called accountability. It's called responsibility. When you know better, you do better. Is there racism? Absolutely. Has there been oppression? Absolutely. But you don't stop. You don't quit. And you damn sure don't make excuses. You guys on TikTok. I don't know how many people know this, but the word slave actually comes from the Slavic people. The original slaves were the Slavic people, which you would consider white. As I was explaining, heritage is your past. Culture is what affects your life now. Ethnicity and heritage overlap each other. Ethnicity is your cultural identification based on your heritage. A lot of black Americans identify themselves as African even though you have very little in common with Africans other than skin tone. Big shocker, not all Africans are black. The African continent has its own unique cultures that is broken down into different countries. For example, Kenya is going to have different cultures than French Guiana. Just like people in New York are going to have different cultures than people in Texas. As a nation, all our subcultures combine to make American culture. North American culture has its own traditions, such as Thanksgiving Day and Martin Luther King Day, etc. Be proud to be American. It makes you unique. So I had a guy who was talking to me and he was confused on why I said racism was a made up concept. So in order to explain it better, you have to understand the history of racism. Alex Haley's roots confused a lot of black people by depicting Europeans as running through Africa, snatching up slaves, and sailing back across the Atlantic. While raids like that did happen from Europeans and the Portuguese, it was quite rare. Most Africans were sold by other Africans. It had nothing to do with racism. They were sold because they were spoils of war. Two, it was profitable, and there was definitely a market for it. Or three, they were punishments for crimes that they had committed. Most were sold from a port in West Africa called Benin. So where does racism come from? Racism was a concept made by the Europeans to oppress their slaves. They based their concepts on the work of Carl Linnaeus and Blumenbach. Because of the obvious difference in skin tone, they were told they were less than. Einstein once stated, if you judge a fish's IQ by how it climbs a tree, it'll spend its whole life thinking it's stupid. That's how oppression happens. Yeah, guys, I haven't even included the tons of videos on why are you calling me oppressed? I'm not oppressed. I have a great life. I've had every opportunity. Or the TikTok videos that addressed how many black people feel like, what are you talking about privilege? Uh, we're the ones who are privileged. We have black colleges. I have more opportunity than white people because of uh, certain laws that require so many black people. Um, so there were a lot of videos that were out there I had to really sort through just a few and we're already at 20 minutes worth of really interesting voices that just are either being taken down censored or creating such anger that people don't even want to listen and call names to so I'm going to end with two one is kind of funny this one uh, a woman was outraged that someone in her comments had the nerve to call her pretty. You don't need to tell me that I have value in a patriarchal society because of my physical appearance. It ha is, is this where society's going? Everything's sexist, everything's racist, everything's transphobic, everything's homophobic, everything's just bad. Hey bro, I like your shoes. Uh, don't relegate me to my socioeconomic status. No. Hey, like the haircut. Come on bro, it's 2021. Don't confine me to a cross-sectional normative lack of intersectionality. Bro, congrats on the win. You're really gonna reinforce toxic masculinity through dominant stereotypes? Hey gosh, congrats on the baby. You guys are gonna be such great parents. It's 2021. We're definitely not going to disclude non-traditional families and adhere only to nuclear households. You see what I mean? The person was like, you're lucky, you're pretty. Either accept or decline the compliment. Don't make them the bad guy. Do better. Maybe that's words that we can all live by. Do better. Finally, this man wrote a poem, and I thought I would end with that, because to me, it ends with a God story. 
We value freedom and everyone's right to pursue the American dream, which is why we support those in the armed forces. While you oppose this fundamental right through your constant demand for more and more censorship. We're taught to stand for the red, white, and blue to pledge our allegiance. You're taught to get on your knees, pump your fists in the air, and sheer defiance. While we put on the armor of God and the breastplate of righteousness, you constantly look for ways to strip our basic rights from us. When things don't go your way, you jump up in the air and scream racist, 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 while we simply get on our knees and ask for guidance from the one who made us. When you hear opinion you don't agree with, you immediately look to cancel. Well, it's becoming more evident that your problem is not with me, it's more internal. You can hate me all you want, you have that right. Just know that me and my fellow patriots, we will never, ever give up this fight. Are we willing to listen to voices that may sound different than ours, opinions that may be different than ours? Are we willing to work together? Is there a deeper story? That fight he's talking about, I'll tell you, uh, for folks that I was listening to on TikTok, it would seem that they're not willing to just concede what's happening in the country. But there's a deeper story in what this man was talking about, and that is that our fight is not against flesh and blood. That's a biblical idea, but it's against powers, principalities, and rulers of darkness in high places. Something under the surface something that's evil and it's not against the people and in that maybe we can learn a lesson again i'll play this from dr martin luther king jr as we celebrate black history month out of one blood god made all men well from the face of the earth. let us be dissatisfied until that day when nobody will shout white power something that's changed my life. Uh, It's a product. And I used to take it when they paid me to talk about it at the radio station. And when I left my job, I stopped taking the product, right? And everything went south. It's Calitrin. It is a collagen supplement and the best out there. A lot of people take it for weight loss. I mean, people are losing anywhere from 10 to a couple hundred pounds. That's great. But for me, what it did is it helped me sleep. It helped me focus. My hair, skin, and nails were looking spectacular. It is amazing for those who may have arthritis, achy joints, that kind of thing. But man, it really is a fountain of youth in a bottle, and I could feel its effects when I stopped taking it. So I contacted them and said, hey, do you want to be an affiliate? You know, you don't you have to sponsor my show. Just give me an opportunity to get the product at a special deal and to share that with my listeners. And that's what we're doing. So go to mymichellelive.com, click on the link and learn more about Calitrin, my favorite product. Black History Month. Well, part of our history may be trying not to repeat history, trying to overcome history call out racism, bigotry, prejudice, and ugliness, and replace it with love, tolerance, acceptance. Can that happen? Well, it happened in one man's life, and we're going to hear from him. Former Grand Dragon with the Ku Klux Klan uh, ran a terrorist organization in the Midwest during the 1970s. And now, all these years later, He's a different man and has a different story to tell. It is such a pleasure to have with us Dr. Richard Harris. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Harris. Well, thank you for having me, Michelle. It's good to be on the show. Wow, what a transformation took place in your life. Yes, indeed. Uh, I started uh, becoming interested in the Klan very early on, and I grew up as a very... uh, I I was the kid that the bullies picked on on the schoolyard.
hard. Uh, I was the one they took the lunch money away from, and I just grew up very angry. And then when desegregation came to my school in sixth grade, I looked at the African-American kids being bussed in from the other end of town, and I thought, here's a group of people that I can pick on, and it just ramped up from there. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. You have a, a good understanding of how it took place. But how did the, uh, I understand it growing, I understand you being part of the KKK, running this this organization and rising to, to the top. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, I almost want to start with the end first. What brought you to the changed man that you are today? I started reading the Bible for myself. And when I did, uh, I immediately started noticing how the Klan had twisted the scriptures. A lot of people don't understand that the Ku Klux Klan uh, believes themselves to be the true Christians. And so every Klan meeting is started with a Klan chaplain having a prayer, uh, having scripture reading, maybe even a sermon. And I started seeing how what the Klan chaplains were teaching us about the Bible, it was not true once I began reading it myself. Mm. And so the Bible was the impetus of change in your in your world. Did you start seeing the people that you formerly hated and I guess picked on <laughs> even from a sixth grade? Did you start seeing them in a different light? Well, I did start seeing them in a different light when I when I came to Christ and realized the Klan had been wrong and I left the organization, I started seeing them in a different light. However, I, I kept my mouth shut about the Klan uh, for about 15 years, and I basically still lived in a mostly white world. It was not until I was transferred down to Florida by my bishop, I had become a pastor, uh, transferred down to Florida, and I was placed as uh, a co-pastor of a Haitian congregation, and now I became the minority, and I got to see things from the other side. What did you see? I got to see what it felt like uh, to not be in the majority, mm. uh, at least in, in my own congregation and in my neighborhood as well. And I began to then under, begin to communicate with other races, and I began to reach out to them because there was no one else around to reach out to. So if I was going to have friends, they were going to... They were going to be Haitian. They were going to be Hispanic down in South Florida. And I began to, that's where, that's where I really began to see that it was not just an intellectual, oh, yes, God has created everyone, I believe that. But, and of course, I mean, I treated people decently those 15 or so years uh, after leaving the Klan. But now I began to actually live and befriend and begin to communicate and begin to understand people who were not exactly like me. Do you now, having having lived and been entrenched in the Ku Klux Klan and seeing that, the, the mindset, uh, while in that, you don't see it as hate, do you? Oh, when you're in the Klan, you don't see it as hate. Uh, yes, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a, a true statement. You see it as the normal way of living that 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 is what is supposed to be done you are not supposed to be friends with people who are not white uh, and that's that becomes the new normal and everyone else they become the abnormal why are they treating uh, these minority why are, why is this white person treating this minority uh, like 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 a equal human because obviously whites are superior and that becomes your thinking that becomes your new normal and let's just take a moment to recognize that some of the racist mindset uh, out of the time that you're talking about was pretty logical if you were going to public school. It's just what was taught. In fact, it, as we mentioned earlier in the program, it's part of Darwinian evolution. You know, when Darwin wrote his book on the origin of species by means of natural selection, the rest of the title was Preservation of Favored Races and the Struggle for Life. 
Now, that book was about animals, but at the end, in the last chapter, he said, in the distant future, light will be thrown on the origin of man and his history. Twelve years later, he wrote the book, The Descent of Man. It's a racist book. Darwinian evolution inherently is a racist philosophy, but is taught in our public schools as fact. Recently, uh, the American Library Association had a, an, uh, an award named after uh, Laura Engels Wilder because of her Little House on, on the Prairie series. And they decided when you look back and read that series, oh, there was racism in there. No longer will they allow that award to be named after her. And Laura Engels, um, she was actually fighting against racism against the Indians, if you read it in the right context. And it's, it's, it's in the context of history that those books are written. If you're going to say you've got to ban uh, a, a library awarder because of those books, they should be banning Darwinian evolution from the school system. That was Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis. Mm. Do you see a difference between that kind of warped mindset and some of the hate that comes from other groups that aren't the KKK, but maybe on the other end of the political spectrum? I, I think it, I think it can... Uh it can be very similar at times. Okay, I'm going to ask you this as a pastor. I know that there can be some differences and we can talk about those, but I think that it's important to bring it up. I think that in some ways we don't often call sin sin in our society. The same kind of sin, I can cut you down, yell at you, demean you because of the color of your skin, does come from uh, from blacks, from Hispanics at times, from other groups. Now, I'm saying that as a minority woman, I have seen it uh, within groups of, of people that I know and love. So it, I'm going to get your opinion as a pastor and as a former member of the KKK. Well, I think you're very true. You, people can hate regardless of what color their skin is. That's, that's obvious. Uh, we, we've got to be careful not to use that as an excuse to excuse these, these extremists. Thank you. When we're talking about the Klan, we're talking about the neo-Nazi move. These are the extremists, and, and there is no excuse. This conversation is important. Now, you know, you will see hate on all kinds of sides. You'll see people and you'll see ridiculous things. But when you get to the point where you're going to get into an automobile and mow down human beings that you see as less than human, uh, that's a kind of extremism, a, a terrorism that uh, takes it to a whole new level. Absolutely. And another thing about racism is so often in this country, what we do is we tend to look at the, the KKK and the Nazis. And we look at them and we say, oh, those are the racists. Those, and, and I'm not a member of that group, so therefore I'm okay. Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, it's, it's clear across the spectrum. It, it's more of a continuum. Everyone is somewhere on that continuum. We may not be part of the KKK, and most of your listeners will most most will never join the Klan. Uh, they'll never join the Nazis. However, I'm just going to hope none of my listeners do that. Well, Thank you yeah. very much. Well, I, I I am now I'm now one of five pastors in an, an all African American church or a historic African American church. So I'm on staff. So I'm so people ask me why are you going to an African American church? Why did you join their staff? <laughs> I always I always uh, kid them and say, well, you know, I can trust them uh, because I don't I, I when when I'm looking at white people, I honestly don't know whether they're in the Klan or not, and they're gunning for oh, me. <laughs> oh wow! And and this is a true statement because you you have been fairly vocal and honest. In fact, uh, your book One Nation Under Curse, uh, you don't pull any punches. So when you say that you could be uh, targeted, you could be targeted. Oh, I have been a target uh, for, for, for many years. And uh, I've, I've survived three assassination attempts, you know, all by the grace of God, obviously, the hand of God. And so, so yes, this is serious business. But what, what I want to impress is most people aren't going to ever join the Klan. So we've got to don't, don't, when we talk about racism, don't just look at the extremists, but also look at everyone else, the normal, average, everyday person. And, and we've got to ask ourselves, 
how many how many real friends do you have across racial lines? The only way we're going to solve the race problem in this country is we've got to start at grassroots level and we've got to start building real relationships and having real communication and talking with each other and getting to know each other. That's how the racial barriers are going to to come down. It's a powerful message today and this is the conviction moment that it comes down to each one of us. We are somewhere on that spectrum of prejudice, of hate and bigotry. It, we, some of us may be lighter, some of us may be more entrenched, but somewhere along that line, we have some kind of bigotry, and it's time for us to challenge ourselves by reaching out to people who think differently, look differently, act differently, and walk in love and welcome them into our lives, share our stories and listen to theirs. I'll give you the last word, Dr. Harris. Absolutely. One of the things that I always encourage people to do is I, I tell them that making, making friends, you've got to be intentional. And you've really got to be intentional uh, when we're making friends across racial lines. I say it this way, intend to befriend. Keep it in mind and start reaching out and actually making real friendships, real relationships, and start listening and start communicating with those even those who are not like you. I want to thank you so very much. I hope you'll join us again. I think we have a lot to learn from you, from your story, from your journey, and from your faith. Dr. Richard Harris, uh, his book is One Nation Under Curse. Um, Just a delightful time having you on today. Thank you for your encouragement for all of us today. Thank you so much, Michelle. Yeah, as you're getting to know me and our my Michelle Live podcast, I think you realize that we try to get to a deeper story. So our Black History Month special, more about how to overcome the ails of history, how not to repeat history, and how to find the God story in it all, more so than just lessons in history. There are lessons to learn from it, indeed. So uh, some of the things that you heard today may challenge you, may make you uncomfortable, and may encourage you, whatever it may be. You know, you can email me. I really do listen. I read your emails, and I will respond. MyMichelleLive.com is where you go. Just hit the contact page and like it. Share this. Let people know that there's hope. We'll catch you next time. More news and views at MyMichelleLive.com.